Mike Coffey and today's guest here with me, so we're ready to roll. Welcome to our Circular Coffee Break podcast, where we will be talking about everything circular and beyond. Now, today is a very special day for us here at the Circular Coffee Break, as we're actually kicking off season two of the podcast. When we started the podcast, our vision was to build a community to accelerate circular development and to provide you with new ideas, insights around circularity and sustainability. And to be honest, I wasn't personally sure how it would go. Um, And it's really exciting to look forward to the second season and all the fantastic conversations that lay ahead of us. But I mean, we can't do it without all of you out there listening to the podcast. So we're eager to hear your thoughts, ideas, and feedback. So please drop us a note at circularcoffeebreak at gmail.com. We're eager to hear from you your thoughts, the insights you got from, from our guests, from our past episodes, as well as improvement ideas you would like us to consider. But now, without further ado, let's get started. I'm really excited about my guest today. Uh, She is an experienced circular economy and sustainability leader with a long history in the chemicals industry. She has worked almost 20 years at BISF, where she today is the director of circular economy in the corporate sustainability team. Before taking her current role, uh, she has held different positions at uh, BSF that relate to the broader sustainability agenda. In addition to her role at BSF, she is a visiting lecturer on sustainable business models and circular economy in the Master in Sustainability and Impact Management program at the Mannheim Business School. She's a vice chair of the Rotary Action Group for Reproductive, Maternal and Child Health and a scholar at the Peer School for Sustainable Development. In addition to that, she holds a master's degree in European Business Studies from the University of Applied Sciences in Landshut, a bachelor's degree in European Business Studies from the Anglia Ruskin University in Cambridge and an MBA from Mannheim Business School. I'm really happy to welcome to the show today, Talke Schafranek. Thank you very much, Michael, for the invitation. <laughs> Great. Um, to, to get us started, uh, Talke, you have been in the chemicals industry for the, for the past 20 years. And a lot has happened in that time, specifically when we look at sustainability and, and circularity. From your perspective, how has the industry and the focus on these topics, meaning circularity and sustainability, changed in that time over these these 20 years? Yeah, I mean, 20 years is really a long time. And I actually had to look it up what happened in the year 2000. And four, and what was on the agenda? I mean, George Bush was still president. Uh, <laughs> Zuckerberg founded Facebook, but also the horrible tsunami hit in Asia. Um, on the positive side, we had the first Nobel Prize um, going to an African lady, Wangari Matai, for her uh, environmental activist um, engagement. So all that's already 20 years ago. Um, and I think 20 years ago, it was a, sustainability was a topic for sure, but not broadly. And I started at BSF in a marketing and product management role. Sustainability dis- was discussed in expert groups, but um, mm-hmm. it was certainly not on the Monday morning agenda at the time. 
Um, and then in the in the years, I mean, 2008 was the first time that BASF published uh, the corporate carbon footprint quite mm -hmm. early, I think, for the industry. Um, but uh, yeah, and then, for example, our purpose, our company purpose, we developed that in 2011 to create chemistry mm -hmm. for a sustainable future. And I remember that very well because I was working in China at the time and our CEO came to Shanghai to explain it, to talk about it. So then sustainability was really at the core of our company. Um, and then I came back uh, to Europe, um, really started to work on sustainability. And that's when, when circular economy came onto the agenda. I, I remember that Alan MacArthur Foundation asked us, uh, I think it was like maybe 2013, if we wanted to join them. And at the time was like circular economy. What is that, right? That was a new concept at the time. And if if you look at it, though, I mean, in the chemical industry, circular economy, it's its about saving resources and keeping in them in the loop as long as possible. And the chemical industry is actually all about using one byproduct from one plant as the new product for the next plant, all connected through pipelines. So that is actually using that circular concept um, for many, many years. I think what's new and what has developed new in the last years is this understanding that resources are finite. That is really mm -hmm. now, uh, I think, understood, luckily. Um, and the interest of circular models has definitely increased. So in legislation, let's say, think about the end-of-life vehicle directive for automotive, but also customers demand more and more circular solutions. So I would say, in a nutshell, it has moved from the Friday afternoon to the Monday morning agenda, <laughs> finally. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. I, I think that that's something we've seen across many industries, um, and, and where BASF has has basically been been on this topic very early, as as you mentioned uh, already, and it has been driving the topic. I think specifically when it comes to circularity, what what I see very often is that the term circular economy is not necessarily used, but in earlier days it was more energy efficiency, resource efficiency, efficient water usage, and, and these type of topics that are now summarized, let's say, and, and basically worked more systematically under the umbrella of, of circular economy. Now, now you, you mentioned circular economy is, a, is an important topic at, at BISF. Um, could you give us an idea of how you approach the topic at BSF and, and also where do you see the biggest opportunities but also challenges today when approaching circularity in the chemicals industry and, and specifically at BSF? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. I think you made a good point in defining circular economy and what is, what does it mean for us? I think I want to stress that it's really much more than recycling. So it's about really keeping resources at their highest value as long as possible and only using recycling as the last resort, so to say. So if reuse or repair doesn't work anymore. But so concretely at BSF, what do we do? We have basically, um, when we introduced our circular economy strategy, given ourselves three focus areas to work on. One is circular feedstock. So obviously the chemical industry mm -hmm. uses a lot of um, oil and gas as, as raw materials, right? So we need to exchange that by renewables, by recycled feedstock. Second of all, we want to create loops for our own products. So for example, for plastics, battery materials, so that our customers can recycle the products 
that they get from us. And then thirdly, we want to work on new business models so that um, we really decouple resource use from um, from uh, from or growth from resource consumption basically and to accompany that what did we do we we started a circular economy co-funding program um, this is basically the idea is that we want to incentivize units in BSF um, colleagues who have ideas for projects to come up with ideas to get them funded but also coached by us and with this we have funded over 50 projects across the organization globally and we see that works very well um, now more and more uh, people are bringing in ideas so I would say that's what we do for the opportunities and challenges um, I mean, opportunities, I think it's really a great opportunity to reduce carbon footprint for our products. That I also want to mention that link between CO2 and circular economy. Then, of course, we also want to help our customers to recycle our products. So, for example, in automotive car batteries that, that can be refurbished or recycled. Therefore, the, the benefit is that you need less mining materials, right? Um, and of course, we can also reduce the amount of waste in general in construction industries. For example, we have products like Styropor for insulation for houses. We are now collecting that together with um, customers, then recycle it mechanically and use it again. So a lot of opportunities. On the challenges side, I mean, one might first think about technological challenges, right? It's very complex and of course it's difficult but my colleagues can work on that scientifically i think what's what's more is if it really wants to become a solution or if we want the solution to really work in the market it also depends on how do you set up sorting the waste transporting the waste across borders also not easy right taxes for incineration are customers willing to pay for it what type of recycling is accepted by the regulator? All of those questions are also challenges. And on top of that, also the mindset shift, uh, I would say maybe underlying the thing. Um, for me, it, it also has a lot to do with wording. We often talk about value chains, but um, we should actually st uh, start talking about value circles more. Then yeah. you have a different picture in your head. Maybe that also influences. So a couple of challenges there <laughs> excellent yeah no, I, I think i think you're touching on on a couple of really important topics and and i like that that you're that you are talking about how you involve your your employees your people into that process because I, I think that is that is one important element and i think it's it was a guest on the podcast some some months back who basically said you know we very often differentiate between ourselves as consumers where we basically demand more circularity and sustainability and ourselves as people in the work life where we very often forget about these things and and basically just continue to work in the in the old linear linear pattern so i think it's important to involve the different stakeholder groups employees and and also investors the other thing you mentioned which i find interesting is the role of bsf is is twofold in circularity, on one hand, actually your own productions, your own products, but on the other side, also enabling your customers to to be circular. Uh, how do you see see these two roles? Are they equally easy, equally difficult from from your point of view? And and how have you been approaching them uh, at BASF? You mean working with customers, or yes, yes. 
Um, yeah, I mean, definitely um, it's different. And I would say the different industries uh, require different solutions. And uh, also we see a different speed in uh, basically as a chemical industry, we supply to all the industries and there is definitely a different speed we can see also, of course, between the regions. But um, what I see is that uh, our customers really demand circular solutions. They really want to have um, opportunities to recycle their products also, um, at the same time, they want to have the same quality of products oftentimes, right? So that's why we uh, can offer SBSF the mass balance approach where we basically exchange a raw material um, or product that we supply at the moment, exchange it with bio-based materials, for example, um, and then allocate the bio content that we introduce in our production system um, to the end product that we sell to the customer. So that is actually a good method of scaling up relatively quickly to circular models, just as one example. And then we're working with customers on different uh, products uh, or projects, for example, in, um, in in the insulation materials that I just mentioned. Um, we are working with setting up a collection system for the insulated insulation material in the construction industry um, and that we can then use into our uh, production to supply actually again to our customers. Mm. Interesting. Uh, I mean, related to that, the transition towards a circular world and a circular chemical industry um, requires a lot of changes. And a lot of these changes are, are broader systemic changes. Uh, that we're looking at, meaning it involves uh, and contributions from various stakeholder groups. We just talked about your customers, the, the consumers, but also the regulators, the investors and, and others. How do you see the role of these stakeholders to address these bigger uh, systemic changes, systemic requirements, and also the role of BASF in the transition towards circularity in the future? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, circular economy is basically about in creating whole ecosystems and there you need the different players. And I think it's much more than dealing with suppliers and customers, like you mentioned. It's um, it's also what you've been discussing a lot in other episodes of the Circular Coffee Break, I've, I think, this, this ecosystem set up. And there are different roles. We didn't talk about the legislator yet. So I think that's also quite an important role. Um, we would expect the legislator to be open and to enable circular solutions, particularly by being open towards technology, so not limiting companies in their solution space. They can also be very helpful concretely. So, for example, by setting up uh, EPR schemes, so extended producer responsibility schemes. And uh, you, you probably know that from, for example, in Germany, we have the yellow bag. So um, uh, producers yes. of um, packaging are paying into a system so that um, then the, the yellow bag or the... the the, the, the Grüne Punkt is basically organizing to recycle that. So that can actually be set up for other industries or other materials as well. Um, and there I still see a lot of opportunity actually to move and to be very um, supportive concretely as a legislator. And of course, consumers play a huge role as well. Uh, we can all move away from using single-use plastics towards reuse mm -hmm. models, etc. Yeah, uh, I, I think I think you're having a good point there. I think it's it's in many areas about public-private partnerships where the, the regulation and the business and the consumer uh, need to basically work hand in hand 
uh, in that setup. Uh, today, we very often see <clears throat> this not being aligned, the regulator doing some things, the businesses trying to then implement that and, and trying to work with that, but it's not really supporting each other. And, and that will be a, an important point going forward. Absolutely. Now, you're also a visiting lecturer for sustainable business models and circular economy at the Mannheim Business School. Um, in that context, if you look at the next generation of business leaders, um, and they will need to take a lot of the responsibility for, for the topics we're discussing about in sustainability, in, in circularity, uh, what do you think are the most critical skills to learn and, and concepts to understand uh, to be successful in this sustainable and, and circular business world going forward, given your experience and how, how you've been seeing the field develop? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for me, the most critical skill is collaboration in an uncertain environment. This really, I mean, setting up circular ecosystem is a super uncertain um, undertaking and to have collaboration skills, I think, is the most important and to define your role as you go, right? Sometimes you might be um, you might be the collector, you might be the producer, you might take different roles, you might orchestrate certain parts, You this might all change. I think so that collaboration is the most critical skill. But for business students, for example, I think there's also a huge field in the area of business model innovation, business model development, so that I would like to see more models in the area of paper performance, for example, renting models, instead of going for paying by kilogram or liter or product, etc. That's not necessarily talking chemical industry here, but, but in general, right? And I think the other area where we still need to learn a lot is building circular ecosystems that are digitally supported or enabled. So there, I think we're really only at the beginning. Uh, there are some good examples, let's say, for example, Catena X and Automotive and others, but there is still to do there. Um, also, I mean, learning about digital solutions um, so that they can reduce transaction costs, that can quantify impacts such as CO2, etc. Mm. I think that would be good areas for students. Um, and in terms of concepts, what, what I like to discuss with students is um, one one concept I really like in circular economy is this concept of the value hill. Um, so basically, when creating a product, we are climbing up a hill. So and at every step of the hill, um, the product becomes more valuable. So at the end of life, the idea is actually to stay as high up on the hill as possible to keep the product as uh, the product value as high as possible. And for example, not to downcycle that. And I think if you keep that in mind, that idea in mind. Um, that's uh, fundamentally a good idea. It's closely relinked to this concept of the 10 R's, which includes refuse, reduce, reuse, repair, and only then recycling and recovering. Mm. So yeah. this keeping the, the value as high as possible, I, that's what I like. What I can just recommend is going to Alan MacArthur Foundation's website. They have a lot of good material there um, to download, to learn, and yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I think what you what you mention is is very interesting because the world earlier we, we were we were organized in industries and 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 you would learn one specific industry and and you would be happy with that. Now looking at the value circles as as you 
as you named them, it's multidisciplinary. You're all of a sudden talking and, and working across a very broad set of partners uh, along the value chain. So you're not just in the beginning of the value chain where you create a raw material or an input for other companies, but you're also talking about end of life and and even, even back into the circle in, in that context. Um, how do you feel that has changed for for students? This this idea of being very industry specific, also also from your work in the examples you've been involved in uh, around circularity, being able to to look at different industries and look more at the life cycle of a material or, or of a product rather than to say like I'm doing this specific aspect of of the product. Mm. Yeah, exactly. I think it's it. Students have to look more holistically. Um, that has also to do with collaboration in the network. But that's also a uh, let's say a, a question of your viewpoint. Um, definitely, it's important to to be able to calculate LCAs. We actually see that we we need that skill a lot also in BASF. So and life cycle thinking is a holistic thinking. So is thinking from cradle to grave. And that's actually a good um, a good way of thinking about any sustainability question is really what are the different benefits. There can also be dilemma situations, of course. Uh, one, one sustainability benefit can be the downside on the other hand. Um, so, yeah, I think that's also a very good uh, uh, thing to think about for students, but also for all of us, for sure. Yeah. Yes. yes. Now, looking ahead... Uh, a little bit in in your role as director of circular economy at at BSF, um, what do you see as the key priorities and the objectives for for BSF to be? As you said, I mean the the idea is to create chemistry for a sustainable future. Um, what are, from your point of view, the the priorities, the objectives that you're looking to work at with your team, with uh, the broader? Um, teams at BSF, but also with the ecosystem and, and with partners? Mm. Yeah, I think it certainly starts with a target to reach net zero emissions. That's very key and very clear for us. And it's a very challenging target, but we believe it's possible. Um, and under that target, I mean, one key priority is actually to electrify our steam cracker. Uh, now, that might sound a little technical, but the steam cracker is basically the first step in a chemical production um, where um, you need temperatures of around 850 degrees, and that is currently um, gas-powered. So we want to switch that to electrified, and that's quite a technological challenge there. But if we achieve that, uh, we will reduce CO2 emissions by approximately 90%. So that's really a key building block among many others, but just to name one uh, really key measure there. Um, of course, we also then want to feed the steam cracker with more alternative feedstocks, such as biogas, bionafta, which what I already mentioned. Um, but yeah, we talked a lot about circular solutions. Maybe one other element here for the sustainability agenda that's important for us is to switch our energy source. Um, and as BSF, we cannot easily say to the city of Ludwigshafen, please, we need some green electricity here, right? For the volumes that we need, we really need to build ourselves. And um, we just invested our own renewable energy projects, for example, the offshore wind farm with Vattenfall in Holland with a capacity of 1.5 gigawatt and their new projects there. So um, 
I think this is what we need also to have emission-free technologies for production sites in whole of Europe. Just to name a few other examples that are not directly for the um, for circular economy, but but for the carbon agenda, yeah, which is closely linked. Interesting. And we, we talked earlier, and you, you mentioned the regulator um, as as one as one aspect. Where do you see the regulator come in? in in this this future development and and how how is your dialogue ongoing there in in that space yeah i mean like i said i think the the regulator governments can really support very directly i mean if you look at the us you have the inflation reduction act that's very concretely supporting projects um in Europe, um, I would say it's similar, but not exactly. We're not exactly there. But for example, if you look at our battery recycling factory in Schwarzheide in eastern Germany, that is also something um, that is supported. Uh, so that goes into, I would think, a good direction of supporting new technologies for a, a circular world also in Europe and also in Germany. So, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, and, and I think there, there's a lot happening at, at the moment on, on various levels uh, around that. And I think we, we haven't seen the end of that yet. So, yes. so there will be more, <laughs> more coming uh, specifically after after what we've been hearing uh, recently from, from decision makers and, and in, in other contexts. You, you mentioned already a couple of the projects you're working on. Could you maybe explain a little bit more some of the success stories you, you've seen? And, and how you've been approaching that. We've been talking about the involvement of, of employees, but also customers, different stakeholders. Do you have some examples where that worked very well um, that our listeners could maybe learn from or, or draw some, some uh, insights from and some inspiration? Yeah, I mean, one project that I like a lot is actually the recycling of mattresses. I mean, that sounds a bit niche, but there are actually uh, 40 million mattresses thrown away in Europe every year. And it's a pretty big and voluminous product, right? So if you imagine yourself, when you dispose of it, you bring it to the Werkstoffhof, to the area where you have bulky items. Um, but what happens after that? So... Um, we developed a process in which the mattress is shredded and then recycled so that new mattress can be de developed again in, in a mm. depolarization process. And we've just equipped our hotel in Ludwigshafen, uh, the BSF Hotel, with that. And these yeah. recycled mattresses really have the same quality as the uh, okay. other ones. And now we want to work on the collection system because that's something – actually, that goes back to your question with the regulator. In, in the Benelux uh, countries, um, you have an EPR scheme, an extended producer responsibility scheme for mattresses. In Germany, we don't have that yet. So that would be something very concretely that we could do together. So that's a project that's still going on, but uh, we see some good progress there. Also, we um, – we want to or work on a lot more projects also in the automotive area, depolarization for polyamides, for polyurethane. So think of car seats, think of different parts uh, in the car. Um, yeah, so there's really a, a big portfolio. Maybe one other project I want to mention because that's coming from a completely different area. That's from our agricultural um, mm. part. That's uh, It's called Xavio and um it's interesting because it illustrates how you can shift from selling volume to selling value. And here we are selling agricultural pro 
products to our farmers, not as euro per kilogram, but we're actually selling them a healthy field. So we're selling okay. the performance that mm. the that our products work. It's all supported by digital tools because you need to know about the weather, about uh, different illnesses of the plants, etc. And the farmer is actually paying to according to how well the product works. So how healthy the plant is, how much yield he or she can get. And interestingly, we are then incentivized to apply less because we are applying or, or organizing the spraying. So if actually the supplier is incentivized to offer less volume, then the, the customer and the supplier are all of a sudden at the same site. Everybody wants to save resources. And I like that example as a paper performance model um, because really it is a different business model. Yeah. Interesting. And it incentivizes naturally. I mean, you, you mentioned the R strategies. It incentivizes the reduce part, which is an important part that we need to look at and which is very often rather controversially discussed. Um, as, as many people say, you cannot ask companies to sell less, but it's, it's always a question about the business model. It's always a question about the incentive model that, that you have behind that. So I, I think this is, a, is an excellent example at how do you look at reduce, not by just reducing, by going out output-based or value-based, as, as you pointed out. Great. Uh, the coffee is empty and, and it's time to wrap up uh, the episode. <laughs> but maybe one, one last question, Talke. Um, let's imagine you have a, a, a crystal ball. And, and you look ahead, I don't know, five, 10, maybe maybe even 50 years. Where do you see the chemicals industry and, and BSF specifically go in the future? What, what are the next steps and, and what is the final state that, that, we, that we aim for that, that can be achieved in, mm -hmm. the, in the chemical space? <laughs> yeah, well, maybe let me dream a bit. And here I'm now beaming myself into space and look at BSF from the very distance. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so from all the way from space, what I see is that we have shifted most of our resources to renewable or recycled ones. I see that we have set up a lot of decentral recycling hubs close to where the waste is generated. I see that's all powered by green electricity, obviously. And that looks pretty nice from space, you know, if you have <laughs> if you have all those uh, decentral hubs there. And it's all, I mean, a lot of, I see a lot of digital enabled ecosystems and I see our core competence, understanding the material and understanding the residual value that is the winner. Um, and then on the horizon, I see that we even maybe rent out molecules, act as a material bank or something like that. But now I'm really way up in space there. Yeah. So I think <laughs> time to come back to Earth, stop dreaming, start implementing and go for it. Perfect. Thanks a lot, Talke, for joining me today. Really interesting. And um, I could go on for uh, another half hour easily on, on all the different topics. Um, let's, let's hope the vision, the dream you painted is, is something that we will see in, I don't know, 50, 50 years. Uh, but as you said, it's about taking the actions, taking taking the steps. And it was great to, to hear what steps you are taking and, and how they're they're actually bringing, bringing the benefits uh, already today. Thanks for joining. Thank you, Michael. Great. So for all of you out 
out there listening, um, we hope the first episode of season two uh, was as insightful as the previous episodes for you. Um, thanks for spending time with us today. Um, if you like the podcast, uh, you can help us grow the Circular Coffee Break community by giving us a five-star rating or a positive review in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of the other uh, platforms. So um, would be great if you give us another couple of minutes of your time and uh, give us your feedback. Um, also, please remember to subscribe to stay in the loop. Uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we have um, a lot of guests coming up, a lot of really interesting new perspectives. So make sure you stay tuned. Uh, new episodes drop, as always, every two weeks. And there's a lot interesting perspectives to, to listen to. Thanks again for listening and um, see you here on the Circular Coffee Break podcast. Mm-hmm.